Invasion! Invasion has come! Invasion of the dinosaurs! Although the first part is just simply labelled Invasion, for a reason that I'll get into once you finish describing what happens in the episode. Mm-hmm. So, Invasion of the Dinosaurs. What happened in part one, What's dear? your favourite dinosaur? I don't care about dinosaurs enough to have a favourite. I We are no my longer favorite, friends. I think my favourite used to be the Stegosaurus, but not, like, I think it was just because I was like, that looks cool. Mm-hmm. I was like, it didn't, I never, like, thought about, like, I, by the time where I was like, oh, so why are dinosaurs like, like, what What do they actually do? Like, how does a Stegosaurus, like, defend itself? Like, how does it eat its food? By I got to that point in my life, I was like, yeah, I mean, dinosaurs are neat, but I don't care about them. <laughs> we are no longer friends. Yep, that's fair. Okay. Um, yeah, um, I guess I could well, still... it's been a fun five years. Yeah, it's been like six years. Five. Yeah, okay, well. Oh, no, yeah, six technically, because it was like the tail end of 2015, I guess. Yeah. Anyway. Bye, everybody. Wait, is time going backwards? Gam. Is time going backwards? This is so weird. I, it feels like nothing just happened. Oh, God, time's going backwards. I'm not. Oh. I'm too lazy to reverse our audio and make it sound like we're talking backwards. Okay, we see London. It's black and white for some reason and empty. Something happened. People are dead. TARDIS swoops in. Dr. Sarah's here. Dr. Answer here. Tree crashes and they go, alright, let's go. Uh, let's actually use this bus stop. Bus isn't coming. Then we see a man going down some stairs, hiding from the military. Then he drives off and they go, oh, look, a car! And then it almost runs over them. Let's walk down the road instead. <laughs> and they just kind of walk until they find the guy with the car and walk inside the building he run into and get held at gunpoint. He's like, I got here first, then drives off, leaving them the place, which is weird. Uh, but then a car accident happens, and Roaring, in which they run outside, he's dead, car's all fucked up. Benton and the Brigadier are call- taking calls, having seen sightings of things all over London. Apparently it's in havoc because of looting and something else. And another car drives by, pulls into a broken building, they follow it, walk directly inside, Again. So now they're attacked again. And they knock the looters out. And then, like, machine gun fire's happening outside, but the door's jammed. So they get in the car and just fucking... No, wait, there's a bird thing up the stairs being pulled by a wire. That, that's true. That did happen. Uh, then they drive through the door to get away. <laughs> the doctor and Sarah pull up to a place and they're pulled over by the army, almost get fucking shot. They find uh, fur coats and stuff in the back, so they get arrested. They are like, yeah, woo, let's get arrested. He smiles while taking his prison photo. And it's under military law because of the monsters in London, which we then get to see that dinosaurs are attacking. Bullets do nothing. Grenades <gasps> make it walk away. There's also radio interference for some reason. 
Benton shows the brigadier. The doctor's in jail now. Sarah, too. Let's go get him. 20 years in a detention camp for both of you. We should make a break for it, says dungeon. the other inmate. And it's time for the hearing. Um, the doctor demands to see Lethbridge Stewart. And they're like, nah, fuck you. Doctor asks the other guy about his escape plan again. And they start a fake fight knock out the guard, and they're, like, ready to go, and the prisoner's like, nah, I'm gonna use a gun on you so that I can get away. Then they knock him out, <sighs> run away, get into the car that was going to take them to their jail cell, basically, and, yeah, and then they, like, are being driven off while handcuffed together, and they drive directly into a T-Rex-looking motherfucker, and that's the episode. dum dum dum. They're all gonna die. T Rex is gonna jump on their ass. Mm -hmm. <sighs> so, part one of this was uh, separately named from the rest of the episodes called uh, Invasion of the Dinosaurs. This one was named Invasion as to hide the fact that there were dinosaurs in it. Uh, apparently, according to Barry Letts, this was the, I believe, director's choice and, and idea. I believe he completely <laughs> threw it all onto him. Uh, basically, you know, his fault. He did it. He's the one who wanted to do it. Okay. Um, uh, so they were like, well, they wanted to have suspense, but then... Uh, sorry, no. Yeah, it was, the, yeah, it was Patty Russell. It was, it was her, her, her fault. <laughs> Not her fault. But she, she, um, she was the one who decided to do it because she didn't want to... Uh, she wanted it to be suspenseful. The problem was, apparently all the promotional material they had used to promote the episode in, like, TV guides, essentially, of the day, uh, spoiled it already, that they had dinosaurs in it. So it was like, then why have you just decided to do this? Although, to be fair, it wasn't really her decision. Um, uh, you know, she doesn't get to decide how they use... Uh, um, the promotional material and such, she just makes the episode. Uh, which is a shame, but also someone else who was very angry <laughs> at them changing the name of uh, the first episode was uh, Malcolm Hulk, who wrote the episode. And don't worry, there's a lot to talk about with that. Um, <clears throat> he, quote, uh, said that switching title after one episode made the production team seem indecisive. And he was not a fan of it at all, because it made it seem like the, the team were indecisive, they didn't know what they were doing, they didn't know what they wanted to do, they had no faith in the story at all, and they were abandoning it, essentially, and changing it time after time. Um, although he was already planning to move on from Doctor Who and concentrate on novelizations of episodes and such, and uh, his own little projects that he was doing. Uh, this basically ended his connection with the series as a whole. So this is the final episode written by him. Uh, from here on out, all he did was, like, novelizations of stories and, uh, his own little thing here and there. So, unfortunately, no more Malcolm Hulk. Um, the other problem is that it led to a weird, weird, uh, urban myth going around. So, episode one of this uh, part one, sorry, of this episode was junked by the BBC. It was completely deleted and gotten rid of in their thing. And the story developed over time that they did it because the name was simply Invasion, so they thought it was one of the episodes from the 60s episode, The Invasion, which was the one with the Cybermen, if you remember. 
that's an urban myth. It's not true at all. Um, actually, kind of the opposite is true in that uh, the entire episode was meant to be junked, but then they actually were able to save uh, episodes two to six uh, because they realized there's actually no real <laughs> reason they, they're able to find of why they saved it, but mm. only episode one got deleted. Which is why episode one is in the in black and white, because they were not able to recolor it. Um, and it is a fan uh, TV recording, essentially, of the episode that has been as lovingly restored as possible. Uh, they just haven't been able to recolor it. Fingers crossed, whenever they get around to doing a season 11 Blu ray release, that they are able to, uh, you know, actually Color recolor it. it. That would be great. Um, but season 11 Blu-ray release has not been announced yet at time of recording. And I, my guess is it probably won't be for another two years or so. It might be next year's because they announced two a year. Um, it might be next year's, but I also have my doubts. Uh, but anyway, what happens in part two of this episode, dear? Uh, time to shoot at the dinosaur and try to get away. Uh, even though bullets do nothing. Doctor and Sarah escape, run away. Sarah's upset because dinosaurs exist. Uh, the military boys get back in the car, realize they're gone, drive away. We see the Doctor and Sarah get out of their handcuffs. There's an obvious fucking dude in the background just standing there, menacingly. Um, menacingly. He calls them both wizards, says a witch sent him here, tells him to, like, send him back, and they're just like, no, I can't. Like, I can't do that. And then he attacks the doctor. Then a terrible fucking noise happens that happens multiple times in this episode. He disappears. Sarah doesn't understand because the doctor was like, huh, for a weird moment, time went backwards, but it didn't affect me. Uh, there's soldiers coming oh. for us. The Oh, God, it's the brig. The dinosaurs show up after the doctor left. Look at these pins we put on the map. Benton's really proud of them. Um, he, he's really proud of those pins and really wants the doctor to see them. Uh, we need to help the doctor where they come and go. Sometimes they vanish weirdly. The general is like, who the fuck is this? He doesn't believe the doctor at all about time travel. Sarah's like, okay, but listen, and... I And they want to evac her because she's a civilian. And he's like, but we just saw, like, this peasant. And then the military, of course, <gasps> wants to shoot the dinosaurs. Doctor does not. General is cranky. Doctor and Brigadier drive to go see the stegosaurus that they just came in with. Yates talk about, talks about how London is nice and quiet and it's returning to nature. Ooh. The doctor, meanwhile, wants to catch oh. the stegosaurus. It's just a stupid dinosaur, right? But then time goes all fucky-wucky backwards and it disappears. General, of course, doesn't believe this, calls them crazy. Time travel isn't real. Somewhere in London, someone's not evacuated. Cut straight to the people that are not evacuated. They're, I'm going to call them the time bros. There's two of them. There's a blonde time one. Bros. Yeah, there's a, there's a blonde one and there's one with glasses. Um... They need to keep on schedule here, apparently, for all their time shit. While the doctor is making something to knock the dinosaurs out and getting interrupted constantly. Apparently, someone from unit here is here to talk to the time boys. Yates is here to warn them, so I guess he's bad now? Minderster of some oh, power gosh. comes in to talk to the doctor. Doctor's like, hey, you're really anti-pollution. I like you. Yates straight goes, hey, he's going to try and find you, so go deal with the doctor. And, do and Yates like, okay, I don't want to kill him, though. Let's sabotage his gun. They're like, all right, sure. 
Apparently, there's a project happening and it has to be taking place in London, only London. And a Patasaurus also has appeared now, so we need to catch it. Yates is given something to make the gun not work. They go to the Apatosaurus, Yace also shows up, and they're like, huh, doctor, what would happen if something happened to your gun? He's like, yeah, nothing probably, it's just an Apatosaurus. And he's like, okay, let me go get your gun for no reason. And then he goes and gets it, puts the thing on it, it's just like a magnet, gets all fucky. So the doctor goes to shoot at the big boy, nothing happens, and the dinosaur starts to poof away. Too bad a T-Rex instantly fucking shows up and the gun still doesn't work, and that's the episode. The gun fucks up and then he's dead. Yep. Um. So, the Time Bros, as Deer mm-hmm. lovingly uh, called them, both of them have very interesting histories with Doctor Who. Um, Peter Miles, who plays uh, Whitaker, who was, I believe, the one with the glasses, uh, the one with the slicked back hair and the giant ears, uh, he not only appears in this episode, obviously, he appears in uh, the episode with the Silurians, and he also appears in another episode next season that is highly regarded as one of the greatest episodes ever written. Um, he very much, like, a very recognisable dude. The other person has, uh, in my opinion, one of the most fascinating histories with Doctor Who that spans like, nearly, uh, like, uh, a 30-year period, almost, in a way. Uh, so, he obviously plays, uh, the character's name is Butler, he's the blonde one. Character's name is Butler. He plays Butler in Invasion of the Dinosaurs. Do you, do you remember The Web Planet? The 13th episode with the giant ants and the butterfly people? Yeah. He played the chief butterfly. (laughs) Hmm. And then also, in about ten years from this episode, he's going to be in another episode as a completely different character. So he plays a character in the 60s, the 70s, and the 80s, which the legacy of Doctor Who is vast. A lot of people a lot of people are in multiple eras of Doctor Who. It's very rare to find someone who has worked in all three all three decades of the original Doctor Who time. Um, uh, but, hey, he's one of them. Good on you, Martin Jarvis. You're great. <laughs> uh, he also uh, plays uh, uh, Rochester, the, the president of um, uh, the president of uh, the British Empire in uh, Jubilee, which means absolutely nothing to you here, but it means something to me and a few other people out there. <laughs> I'm I'm uh, happy for you, but also, yeah. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. So, uh, what happens in the next part, dear? Uh, so the doctor has an issue with uh fainting, and Yates crawls over to the gun, takes the little thing off of it, uses it on the T Rex, knocks it out. And then goes to yell at the science bros for trying to kill the doctor because they brought in the T-Rex at that exact moment. Um, and they're like, okay, go sabotage the instruments then. 
And that's all they need to do, of course. Totally. not Nothing else is going to happen. Sarah has some questions. Didn't ask the doctor. She's like, who else knows about time travel? And they're like, well, there's this man named Whitaker who people thought was crazy and he disappeared. Probably him. Also, the TARDIS is now at Bridge HQ. Or Unit HQ. Bridge HQ. What the fuck? Here. <laughs> um, and so, okay, I got to go get some tools out of it. And they're like, well, what happens if it materializes while you're gone? And they're like, well, my instruments will pick it up. And then we literally see them leave and Yates walk in and fuck with his instruments. <laughs> Minister apparently knew him. Uh, the, the original Whitaker dude thought he was crazy. Sarah's like, no, nah, he was smart. And then the general is staring down Sarah like he wants to fucking kill her. And he's like, I want to know more about Whitaker. Then Sarah keeps asking about a fucking pass to take photographs. General gives her one and goes, here, to give this to my driver, they'll make you a pass. And she goes, cool. Yates is staring down the dinosaur now. And then we cut away from him. And then the doctor's like, I'm going to go back to the hangar. And Sarah's already at the hangar and taking photos because she has a pass now, which wakes him up. And then he stands up, which is weird. And then she goes... And, like, pisses it off with, like, more flash photography and runs away. Uh, too bad the door is locked, and she's locked in, and the T-Rex can totally fit through this door to attack her. Yeah. But then yep. some rubber yep. falls on her, and what does it do, Gam? It... Oh, it... Hang on. It... Ready? Yeah. You ready for this? Okay. Let, let's set okay, this up so, again. So, okay. Then some rubble fall, falls on her, and it goes... Oh, oh, sorry, that was... It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. God damn uh, it. Oh, fuck, that's... I, very uh, cool. Oh, it's no, very cool. Oh, Cam, Jesus. Cam, I sort of fuck. I just wanted the bonk. God, thank you. It does that. Um, <laughs> And then the doctor literally just walks in and, and also, I guess, gets bonked, and then he's dead. And then the T-Rex... <laughs> Gets bonked and it's also dead, and then the, that show, entire show is over now. Yep. Th okay, okay, okay. Stop, 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 stop. Let's actually, okay, stop. Um, okay. The soldiers brought back the doctor's instrument. She's like, this was sabotaged and the chains were cut. Something's up. So here we're going to use this portable instrument, which wasn't as powerful as the other one. And Sarah's like, it would need a nuclear generator, right? So, like, couldn't we find that? And everyone's like, the brig already did that. You think you're smarter than him? And Sarah wants transport because she has an idea. Benton is told to tell the doctor that she's off having fun. And then she's like, there were plans for underground stuff because of the Cold War. Can we look at your confidential files together? And he's like, yeah, sure. Come into my confidential file room. And then, hey, look at these top secret construction projects that I'm showing you that are completely confidential. And then, My God. weird, we open the door, and, or no, we're like, wow, Sarah, you're right, here's a map with the exact position, it's under this building! And then the door opens again, and it's actually been an elevator. And then uh -oh. Benton tells the doctor Sarah left, cut to Sarah, everyone here is insane, and you're a prisoner, and... So now we see some flashing lights and Sarah is being sent into the future, maybe? I don't know. Then we see that she's on a spaceship oh. headed to a new home planet, quote-unquote, and they left Earth three months ago. Now is the episode. Yep. Now Sarah's on a spaceship. She's fucked off. Mm -hmm. So, we need to talk about the dinosaurs. 
Yeah, we do. Uh, so the way I, I I like the way this book puts it. Um, they say that uh, some episodes in classic Doctor Who are very famous for their specific writing and and special effects. Some are very infamous. Um, it is one of the infamous kinds. Uh, the special effects of the dinosaurs do not look that good at all. Um, even in the 70s, it looks kind of ridiculous. Um, no. So, the reason why is because Barry Letts, the producer, uh, was very keen to capitalise on the success of the Drashig puppets, if you remember them from uh, Carnival of Monsters. Yeah. Uh, but, whereas the Drashigs were built by the BBC Visual Effects Department, uh, the unit that had ultimately uh, determined that its resources were insufficient to build the dinosaurs required, though. So, instead it was suggested that they outsourced it to a different firm and someone else, who had recently also worked with them on the show, but the dinosaurs they wanted also exceeded the capacity of them, so he subcontracted the models to someone else as well, and then it all got back to Barry Letts, and he was like, oh, these look awful. They look less maneuverable, they don't look convincing, they look absolutely awful. But, because dinosaurs were such an important element to the story, they couldn't really do much. Uh, their flaws had to be as minimized as possible. Uh, Patty Russell did all she could to try and salvage it. Um, it's So that's why. Initially, they I believe they were going to do stop motion on the dinosaurs, but they couldn't because they didn't have time or the skill to make it look good. So that's why the dinosaurs are actually live puppeteered with wires most of the time in this and it looks awful i cannot wait to see it in blu-ray and see those wires even clearer um it's gonna look so good <laughs> um so yeah the dinosaurs not that good with regards to what is happening in this story and where where this story comes from don't worry, usually I talk about that in the beginning, but this one we have to talk about it a bit later as to not, you know, as to follow the, the flow of everything and to not spoil everything. Um, but also, in the beginning of part one and here out, there are very seen, scenes of a lot of parts of London that are filmed, a lot of very famous parts of London. Um, but in, in of that, uh, a lot of <clears throat> a lot of them are so identifiable that Theoretically, if you wanted to do a Invasion of the Dinosaurs tour, uh, you could actually do it. There, there is a massive list of all the all the shots and locations of where they are, um, and some of those shots were technically filmed legally, uh, without any permits because uh, they just didn't have time or the money to get permission from the BBC or you know the police to film certain shots. So for certain shots in the beginning where there's no sound in the location and it's added post, uh, it is literally just the director, the camera operator, and the camera operator's assistant out there filming it because they had to film it guerrilla style. Um, but yeah, the dinosaurs, I highly recommend. If you love bad-looking dinosaur effects, this one has some depressing-looking ones, especially when they, they make the pterodactyl attack people. It... It, the noise it makes is amazing. 
Uh, for example, I believe... Ah, yes, here it is. Uh, the Stegosaurus was made green to make contrast with the brown of all the other colours of the dinosaurs. Uh, the Tyrannosaurus's voice was a recording of a cow played backwards. Um, Paddy Russell suggested that the Brontosaurus would have a smaller voice box and would thus be more feline sounding. Um, mm -hmm. And also, I believe the Pterodactyl, it doesn't say it here, but I can confirm it with my own ears. It is. It sounds like just a production assistant on set shouting, going ah, 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 ah. Yeah, it is. It's 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 fucking great. I love it. It's so, especially when the pterodactyl is like swooping the doctor. It's great. Um, but anyway, what happens in the next part? Uh, the brig's in trouble. The general's mad. The doctor's like, I was fucking sabotage because they just came in and saw him. What? Wait. <laughs> did I forget to take some notes? You probably did. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> the doctor had gotten a call from Whitaker, alright? And he was like, come down to the, uh, the, the, the place, the, the hangar, where I totally am, and it's totally not a trap. And he's like, okay. So, the- Well, okay, that's, that's no, actually a wait. little bit further along. Where am I? Okay, That's like no. at the end of the episode. Yeah, no. I see. I see what's going on. Never mind. Okay, sorry. Um, the, the general is mad because the doctor's not getting results. And the doctor's like, I was fucking sabotaged. There we go. Um, Yates comes up and goes, what the fuck? I didn't agree to murder. And then the doctor takes a car. That's... <sighs> it's a stingray. It's a stingray. It's a stingray. It's it's not like it's the stingray so car. It's not the stingray car. It looks like an actual stingray, and it just drives away. Um, the Who mobile. Don't fucking call it that. That's what it's actually. I called. don't care. I don't want it called that. Three people come up and see Sarah, and they're called the Elders on the spaceship. There's two hundred people on the ship. It's their task to do shit on the planet uh, that they're going to. There's a whole fleet of us. If you've been here for three months, Sarah, why didn't your cut on your forehead heal? That's weird. The doctor is tracking stuff on his heckin' device and finds a place to break into. It's this weird underground place with an air vent that's still kind of working. And then one of the time bros walks into the same area, so he hides and opens he the time bro opens up a cupboard elevator and the doctor's like, what? Goes into the cupboard, takes it down to the time bro room. Time bro see... Uh, that he's come down and, of course, trap him as he walks farther and farther in and kind of herds him back to another elevator where they send him away. Then they're mm -hmm. making more adjustments. Time to swoop a flying dinosaur in and attack the doctor with it. And Sarah's being apparently too terrible on the spaceship, so we got to re-educate her. And then the doctor goes to fetch the brigadier in Weird. That broom closet thing is gone. Doctor asks the minister about Sarah. He tries to lead him the fuck away. Quick, let me ask, let me call in Time Bros who's going to tell the lie for me so that Sarah went back to Unit HQ. Like, let me get one of the Time Bros to basically be like, yeah, no, she went back to Unit HQ. She's meanwhile being re-educated about pollution, apparently, and one of the elders brings her more food 
The science bros need to distract the Brig and the Doctor long enough to do this. Doctor wants to blow up in the underground. Brigadier doesn't. Science bros call in and it's Whitaker. And this is where he's like, I was totally tricked, bro. Listen to me. Come to the hangar, please. Alone. This is totally not a trap. And the doctor's like, yeah. And then at the hangar, there's a fun new device in there that has flashy lights. And also a camera to the time bros. And they teleport a stegosaurus into the hangar. And then the general literally walks in with the brigadier and he's like, look, he's the one that's doing it. Arrest him. And that's the episode. <gasps> the doctor's been framed. So. We need to talk about the Humobile. Mm. It's called the Humobile, and I say you have to call it the Humobile because that's what John Pertwee called it during press interviews. Now, you're probably asking, why did John Pertwee call it the Humobile? But then off screen, outside of the show, called it Alien. Well, that's because the vehicle wasn't created for Doctor Who, it was personally commissioned by John Pertwee, and it was his car. What? In the story, it was meant to be a motorcycle, ca uh, like a, mo a group of motorcycles that he was on and some other people were with him. But he was like, hey, what if I use my car instead? Because it's futuristic and we write it to be uh, uh, the doctor's new car that he built after Joe left. I am not shitting you. That is John Pertwee's car. Okay, we're never speaking it up again. He... We're never speaking it up again. He... It remained in his possession until uh, nearly the end of his life. Uh, it is amazing. Uh, legally, it is roadworthy. Uh, in... Um, uh, it, it got a little bit muddled in the way that they made it re roadworthy. Because uh, they technically had to make it an invalid tricycle because the roof and door had not been completed at the time of filming it. So they had the, the motorboat windscreen be fitted to make it actually legally roadworthy so they could drive it on the road. Uh, it could get up to 105 miles per hour, which was its top speed. Um, he loved that car, and I do too. It is the most 70s thing. It's so good. Anyway, now that we've spoken about the Humobile, we can talk about everything else. <laughs> oh, God, I love the Humobile so much. Um, so, uh, almost all of, the, all of the episodes in this had overrun and needed trimming, which led to a lot of anomalies with cuts. For example, uh, Grover suddenly just knows who Sarah is because their meeting is cut from episode three. Uh, episode five loses a scene where uh, the Brigadier orders Benton to keep himself uh, keep himself under arrest. Uh, and then episode six also has a cut scene of why Sarah is actually on the spaceship and why they put her there. Um, Long story short, it's because she's resourceful, and uh, even if she may not want to be there, she can help everyone else, and will be forced to. Um, but, yes, uh, apparently, speaking of John Pertwee with this episode, 
Apparently he was really apathetic during this, uh, appar- like about everything during the recording of this one. Uh, appar- uh, during uh, part two, it's alleged that he had his line secreted around uh, the set when the Doctor argues with Finch. Uh, not secreted, secreted. Hidden around the set so he could just view them while... Uh, fucking, yeah, he peed out the s- lines. Um, <clears throat> he had them hidden around the set so he could just look at them while uh, they were uh, doing their lines. Uh, and also, apparently, uh, John Levine, who played Benton, joked that uh, John Pertwee was always looking at him when he said the line about the Brontosaurus was large, placid, and stupid. Uh, mm. Which the production team made a note of, because they actually do it again uh, in another episode uh, to to reinforce the Doctor's opinions on humanity and certain ones. Um, but yeah, enjoy the Who-mobile. <laughs> What happens in the next ep- next part of this episode, dear? I need to stop saying next episode, because it's not <clears> the next episode anymore. It's parts now. Uh-huh. Sarah's apparently in great danger. They're probably going to kill her for being disruptive. She tricks athlete. Uh, elder dude tries to escape. Doctor, meanwhile, is under arrest without question. Doctor blames the minister and is trying to weasel the general into an answer and an admittance. Brigadier's like, come with me, doctor, please. And the doctor tries to yell, Yates... Uh, and Yates is like, yeah, no, go to prison. He's like, oh, it's you. You're the fucking asshole. Benton says, uh, hey, cool. Everybody go deal with your shit. Go set up the prison, whatever. And the doctor's like, all right, well, I guess I'm going to prison. He's like, no, are you going to like beat me up, please? Like, please. (laughs) And he's like, all right. Uh, knocks him out, runs away. Time bros show off to the minister that they can finally reverse time. Sarah, meanwhile, is trying to fuck with some devices. It doesn't do anything. Almost like it's fake. Then she goes to tell Elder Bro what she found. Benton is to be court-martialed, and they're going to shoot the doctor on sight. Benton's under arrest. Brigadier commands Benton to get uh, himself arrested already, and then also to get the men together, because he understands at this point, kind of. Sarah keeps trying to explain that the place is fake, and he's like, no. And I'm going to go open that airlock to prove it. And she's like, oh my god. And then the elder comes up and goes, hey, how are you? And she, and tries to hide that she just, he just tries to hide that she just left. Sarah makes her way down into the time lab, time bros lab shit, trying to escape. Minister is trying to take a sweet ass time to leave the room, getting her almost fucking caught. The doctor is racing off, trying to avoid the military and the helicopter watching him. They lose sight of him. Everyone gets out of their cars to look. Doctor gets into their cars, tells the copter uh, he's caught, tell all the other units that I'm caught and it's fine, and drives off. Sarah wonders where everyone is, writes a note for the brigadier. Too bad the military general is here and he also thinks the doctor is caught still. Sarah goes, I know everything, please listen to me as I tell you everything you already know because you're evil. Here, let's go into the minister's elevator where you're, oh, you have a gun on me. Okay, well, uh, it's fine. They're pushing into the final phase. More monsters. uh, Time to clear out all of London and unit and whatever. The spaceship's new world is this one because they're going to roll back this planet's time and give them a golden era. And then they poof (gasps) in a whole bunch of more dinosaurs stopping the doctor from being able to proceed. And that's the episode. My God, they're going to turn back time. They only... Read the wiki how though. Yep. <clears throat> I I can't believe them. That's that's insane in the membrane. 
Okay, now we need to talk about where this episode comes from. Because you've probably picked up on it now. But if you hadn't already, by the phrase, this episode was written by Malcolm Hulk, uh, this is a very of its time uh, political driven uh, story that is very contemporary about uh, what was going on at the time within the 70s, mid 70s specifically. So, first of all, the mid-70s, uh, they were having their own sort of craze about dinosaurs, like everyone in society did in the 90s. It happened in the 70s as well. You have, like, uh, uh, Journey to the Center... Not Journey to the Center of the Earth. The other one, the one with um, Peter Cushing. I forget the name of it. Uh, you had all these, all these different uh, dinosaur... Dinosaur-esque stories and, and people more dinosaurs being discovered, etc., etc., people being fascinated by them. Um, but this essentially came out because it's like, it feels like Malcolm Hulk watched them do the Green Death and was just thinking, okay, let's show them how it should be done. If you're wanting to do a story about pollution and the fact that it's, that that man is the problem, like, this is how you do it. Um, Realistically, though, this story has a lot more longer roots, because uh, Malcolm Hulk has worked for many different, many different stories here and there throughout uh, uh, his life. Um, one of the odd things about the '60s fantasy spy series that existed, that was stuff that he tended to write for a lot of, uh, was that villains were almost always cults made up of exaggerated versions of half-expressed. Uh, conservative notions of how things should be. Uh, so it's like, he's kind of been writing this stuff, but this is more explicit nowadays, uh, especially in this episode. Um, but you have a lot of things such as uh, a lot of elements from this that appear in other stories as well, especially in future stories, like uh, uh, government scientists wanting to scare the world into abandoning something or returning to a better time in order to save us, that sort of thing. Uh, it's not the first time this is written, but it's kind of the first time that Doctor Who really dips its toes into that sort of thing. Uh, because around this time as well, you have reports coming out that overpopulation is going to be a problem. Uh, because remember, we've kind of spoken about that in the past, but now it's sort of now treated as like a a potential future and an existential anxiety in people's minds. Um, and it, it sort of led to people being like, okay, well, we have these sort of existential threats to Earth and humanity, like pop possibly overpopulation and pollution starting to become one. And it's like the things that need to be done kind of all need to be done at once. Everyone around the world kind of needs to do the same thing. So it came a, a, a situation where everyone was like, okay, let's do it. You first. <laughs> and no one, want, no one was really taking the step. Uh, so Malcolm Hulk, it, it led to a lot of people being like, okay, well, then we need to take more drastic steps. We need to be more, um, we need to uh, take more drastic routes and be more aggressive and have things be more like, uh, it doesn't matter what we do so long as we get to the end goal of, you know, the problem's gone away and the existential threat has been dealt with. Um, and 
that's where you lead to Malcolm Holt coming in and going, no, 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 the ends don't justify the means, and you need to remember that. Like, the sort of thing where it's like, uh, you have people be like, uh, oh, well, if you're a, a, a communist or a, a socialist or even left-wing, then oh, clearly you, you completely agree with uh, Soviet Russia and uh, the USSR, etc., with their sort of policy and uh, all the atrocities they commit. And this is what Malcolm Hogg was sort of wanting to talk about, the fact of, like, it, like, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what you do or what you espouse, what matters is that you stay true to your principles regardless of what, like, the party line or the, the public opinion is that may, that some people would say cloud your judgment on these sorts of things and would make you essentially sell out to get a position of power where you <clears throat> could do something but you end up not doing anything because in reality you sold all of your morals and your ideology etc just to get power where it's like you didn't want change you just wanted power um and that's why this story falls short because the actual story in here is the story of sir charles grover and that's so much more interesting than the entire first half of this episode where there's dinosaurs appearing like it's an interesting concept but three episodes of it running around is too much again if this episode was four long it would have been way better but, um, that's the way things are, unfortunately. Uh, now, once the moral, the moral dilemma is identified in the story, uh, Terrence Dix then takes it and superficially makes a less, uh, serious story about it later on next season, about, you know, mad scientists and eco-protesters, etc., etc. Um, but one of the most important things that is brought up is that, uh, that the Doctor brings up is that this golden age is never a thing, it's a complete fantasy, and it's something that comes up time and time again as people have these anxieties, and they go, we need to return to when things were better. It's a, a, a fundamental problem with a conservative attitude, or even a, a, a fundamentalist attitude towards these sorts of things, is that that so-called golden era doesn't exist. It never existed. It is a complete fantasy in your mind. Um, take, for instance, the sort of Ronald Reagan-esque messaging of uh, his election campaign, where it was like, hey, uh, you all fucked around in the 70s, and I know some of you regret it, so let's return to a better time, a, a more moral time, which worked for him, but the truth is, that's not what happened. Um, because you can't do that, and also returning to the 50s and 60s is a terrible idea, because it wasn't a golden age, um, even for those that think that it was. Um, but yeah, you have, you have Malcolm Hulk also introducing his concept of uh, a lack of trust in authority. Uh, you have things like, uh, things going on in the mid-70s, like Nixon cancelling the Apollo program uh, to mm. pay for uh, the war in Vietnam. A war that he kept going simply to get re-elected. Uh, you have America losing faith in its leaders. You have Britain going through one or two economic crises. Uh, proving that, like, hey, the concept of an infallible country and government doesn't exist. Like, this is... everything's falling apart. And this is where that sort of anxiety about society is crumbling was all sort of coming to a head. Uh, and that's... 
where we get this story. Because uh, a lot, it makes a lot of sense when you put all that into context, why this story is the way it is. Um, and why they focus so much on the whole ends justifying the means. Um, it's typically always seen as a bad thing in television drama. Uh, because it makes the the antagonist look like a hypocrite and, you know, at worst, a, a, a complete monster if they're like, yeah, I don't care about it. Um, but in real life, writers from the left, like, returning to the whole Soviet Russia thing, uh, they're kind of intrigued by the fact of what does make someone switch off or on their conscience at a whim for something like that, to think that the ends justify the means. Um, uh, which you know, was kind of a live issue in the 50s and 60s if you were active in politics then. Mm. Uh, do you support absolutely everything done in Soviet Union just because your politics and theirs start from the same place? Do you sell out to get into a position of power to actually do something? It would seem that somewhere under all the silly rubber monsters and pompous homilies about greed is a better story just about Sir Charles Grover, which is why I agree that the better story is about Grover in this, where you have this story about corruption and greed and why he's like this. If they had delved into why he's like this, it would have been such a better episode. Um, but as it is, it's more just a fun, cheesy, uh, really bad dinosaur effect looking episode with uh, some nice Malcolm Hulk-isms on top of it. But I have waffled on for way too fucking long. Yeah. Uh, what happened in the last part, dear? Uh, so the dinosaurs are now fighting each other, and the doctor is caught, quote-unquote, by the general, but then the brigadier shows up, bent and pulls a gun, and they all leave. Sarah's locked in a room hey. that has an air vent, so she obviously gets out. Sarah's note has positive proof that everyone's bullshit, and the brigadier wants to call Geneva, but then Yates come in, comes in and has a gun, because of course he does. Then... Anyone in the in Whitaker's like time field will be safe, so I'm not important enough to live. It's about the the end product. It's fine. And then the dude who was sent to get tea walks back in, scaring Yates, so they knock him out. Sarah, meanwhile, is sneaking back into the quote unquote spaceship and goes, "Hello, athlete elder bro. We need to tell everyone the ship is fake." <laughs> and then the brigadier and the doctor are headed to fuck up some time bros, and Benton plans some stuff. And the elders are like, listen, she's unstable, we should actually kill her. And one of the other elders goes, hmm, and starts to pull switches to see if things are fake. Meanwhile, um, the minister is told that he needs to go talk to a spaceship. They're like, all right, fine, I guess. The doctor and the brigadier try to get down to the underground area. A fake-ass spacesuit-looking dude walks into the ship, and it's the minister, and he's like, hey, what's up? Talk to me. <laughs> uh, athlete and Sarah just talk to the minister like, hey... Uh, you lied, and he's, like, talking to them in this room, and the other elder is listening in on it, and he's like, okay, well, that's just everything I needed. Time for the doctor to sneak past this Triceratops while I, uh, fuck with this elevator, and the brigadier distracts the Triceratops, and then they blow it up, make their way inside. Too bad the brigadier is calling Benton, who's at gunpoint, by the general, and then he, like, beats the shit out of him, which is great. Um, yes, you do. As you do. Sarah finally shows them the airlock is fake, and everyone's like, gasp! The doctor's now down here, knocks out, <clears throat> knocks out blonde time bro, 
runs off. The ship people walk in, oh, no. capture the minister in uh, glasses time, bro. Brigadier's also here, but they pull the lever anyway. Fucking up time. But the doctor outside the time shit is, pushes the lever back because he's not affected by it. But he reversed the polarity on it and the minister pushes the lever back to try to get it to go again. And it sends them back to uh, time. Dinosaur time. And the, I guess. <gasps> they only read the wiki how though. Yeah. Um, and then the doctor's like, it was not man who killed. It was beauty that killed the beast and also greed. It was beauty. Man was the real enemy all along. And then Yates is told to resign, so he's gone. Benton gloats about punching a general. And Sarah doesn't ever want to go back in the TARDIS. And the doctor's like, but I want to go to this one place. Listen to me talk about it while I tempt you and not listen to a damn thing you fucking say. And that's the whole episode. Yep. And that's Invasion of the Dinosaurs. Real quick, though. So. I'm so glad you said that fake-ass looking spacesuit. Because that spacesuit... Uh, was from Terence Dix and Barry Lett's separate series that they went off to do, Moonbase 3, which had started airing, I believe, around this time, and it had been long enough that they had realised it was a ratings and critical failure. So they were trying to salvage what they could from it, and that spacesuit is from that series. <laughs> like, straight, as, straight up just a prop from that series. Um, but yeah. <clears throat> Just want to mention that real quick. Mm. Invasion of the dinosaurs. Ain't it so that a dinosaur should come along and invade us all? Mm. What are your thoughts on the invasion, dear? Like a five. Th- there weren't enough dinosaurs. They weren't great. I thought it would be more dinosaurs. There were only and... like four <laughs> dinosaurs. I wish they had more, not but then even, again, it's not even that they were more, it's just that they played, like, no part in the fucking story, really. Exactly. The main story is more about the, the, the you know, the cult, essentially. Yeah, it's like a, a cult, four or but, five, you know. really. Honestly. Cool. Honestly, it's, it's, it's one of those stories, it's probably one of my least favourite Malcolm Hulk stories, if I'm honest. Purely because of that mm-hmm. fact that, like, it almost feels like he was told to put dinosaurs in at the last minute. Of like, hey, uh, we have these dinosaurs, put them in your story. Where it's like, eh, it's not that good. Um, but still, it is a Malcolm Hulk story and it has elements of it that are very nice. Um, but unfortunately this is also our final Malcolm Hulk story. Um, fear not though. The politics... Never ends in Doctor Who. Again, it's times like these that I think about the people nowadays who get angry at modern Doctor Who, being like, why are they getting so political? Doctor Who has never been political. This is social justice warrior nonsense. Blah, 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 blah. Um, Doctor Who's always been political. (laughs) Quite explicitly at times. Like, at the end of episode six, where Deer is like, it was beauty that killed the beast. Like, no exaggeration. The Doctor essentially just gets on a soapbox and is like, Did you know pollution is because of greedy people? You wanna... Hmm? Okay, here's the thing. People don't think it was political because at the time, it didn't affect them. So they were just like, this is whatever. It's not It's not like it's a thing uh, that's affecting me. 
it 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 did though. It was more of a it was more of a possibility than an inevitability at the time though. It was like a hey, uh, pollution's bad and it has the potential to really ruin the earth and and ruin all our lives. Um, so you had a lot of people who were already in the camp of like this is terrible. We need to do something about it now. And then you had people being like, it's fine. Like it, if if it happens, it'll happen a long time from now. So we don't need to do anything about it. Um, well, that's what I'm saying. It like still wasn't it, it existential wasn't thought in their mind. It wasn't enough to bother them. Whereas like nowadays it's like, no, this is an actual thing that's happening and people just don't want to either hear it or it's like, Hey, have you thought about human rights lately? And people are like, wow, you're so political. And it's just like fucking what? So. Yes, I mean, that is also a, a deliberate tactic by, uh, you know, conservative grifters ever since the, ever since, like, the 60s, basically, to deem anything that uh, is, uh, any anything that is to do with, like, human rights or fighting for humanity or even caring about other people as as political, which means it's bad automatically, Whereas, like, keeping things as they are and not talking about issues that are going on is not political, which is good. Um, it's a, a very deliberate tactic that is cultured and still is around today, unfortunately, where you get some people thinking that, you know, something like the, yeah. the uh, issue of trans people not being given human rights is a political issue when it's not. It's not a political issue at all. It's it's a healthcare issue mm-hmm. not in a societal issue of attitude towards trans people because of the way, you know, society talks about them and treats mm-hmm. them. But that's Invasion of the Dinosaurs. Uh, the next episode uh, is a lot uh, less political Still to some degree political, because it's the 70s and it's Doctor Who. Uh, I'll give you four guesses as to what alien is in it after I tell you the title, dear. Mm-hmm. Death to the Daleks. I don't fucking know. I don't care, man. Okay. Well... We'll let you ponder that until next week, where you can try and figure out specifically which monster they are fighting in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll come back and watch Death to the Daleks. So, mm. yeah. Anything else you want to mention? Watch GDQ, it's great. Yeah, watch GDQ, it's great. <laughs> um, actually, if we're going to mention GDQ, this... Oh, wait, whoops, this will come out after GDQ because we're taking GDQ off. That's right. <laughs> it's fine. Hey, guys, we just took GDQ off and we had a great time. Wow, wasn't GDQ great? They raised, uh, lots of money. Insert them out here. <laughs> Insert them out here. I- I'm not going to, but yeah. <laughs> Thank you all. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>